Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Hello and welcome into this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. Happy Thanksgiving week to all who celebrate. We will certainly get in to what's on the grill ahead of what I affectionately refer to as the Dude Super Bowl. Just a sneak preview. You will be thoroughly impressed with what I have to offer and dispiritingly depressed by what Rex will be doing in two days' time on literally the greatest day of the year before we get into what should actually be a jam-packed golf podcast we actually have to address the elephant in the room this is not just an audio medium this is a visual as well to all of our friends on youtube you have a a, what appears to be a massive bandage uh, above your right eye uh frequent uh, listeners and viewers of the podcast will 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 know you from a quarter-sized uh, Mark, that you've had above that right eye for uh, what seems like years now. Uh, can you provide an update for us? Uh, well, first, to pull back the, the the curtain a little bit, this is what, the fourth time we've tried to do this podcast? Fifth. So it's, this uh, is the fifth it's, one. It's horrible. Yeah, so technology has has beaten Lav and I. It's 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 defeated us. It's it's nine and eight. We're finished. So we're we're finally getting this in. You look like you're sitting in some sort of studio, some sort of gym. I don't know where you are at Reynolds this Plantation. Is, this is actually this is actually not my home spin studio. Uh, uh, I, I'm sure, I'm sure people will be surprised to learn. I'm at Reynolds Lake in County. My wife is absolutely furious. This is now the fifth attempt that we have tried to do this podcast. So I'm here at the Lake Club at Reynolds Lake in County. Great spot. It's a horrible weather today. Uh, she's just, she's really not happy. Uh, yeah. So it, it, uh, people have made comments about this before. I have had something over my right eye for quite a while. Like, and I had to go to my dermatologist this morning and I have to tell you the anesthetic is starting to wear off. So it's, it's, it's actually a little bit more uncomfortable now than it was the previous four times when we tried to tape this. Uh, and, and every year I go to my dermatologist every six months as everyone should. And every six months she says it's fine, dismisses it. And everyone else is really, really concerned about it. Well, for some reason, she was really, really concerned about it. So she, she dug in. Like, there was a lot of, lot of digging in. She took the whole thing. I don't know what it's going to look like when I finally take the bandage off. I don't want to do that anytime soon. She also froze a couple of pre-cancer cells off my face. So apologies for those of you who are watching this on YouTube or anywhere else you may be catching this on a visual medium because this is not a good look, and this is why you take care of your skin. Yeah, we are not doing... Simply audio. We had to hu- we had to highlight and showcase this. Sun safety is incredibly important. I've never <laughs> seen you slather SPF fifty uh, on I the will. handsome face of yours, uh, but you will from now 
on. Let's get into the golf wrecks because it actually has been a busy seven days since we last uh, did our podcast with Davis Love III at Southern Soul. And thank you guys, by the way, for all the great feedback uh, that we have from that podcast. Hoping to do much more of that in 2024. But let's first begin with the news that dropped on Monday. If anyone has seen the viral videos of the dome collapse that was set to house the TGL, the, the Tech Infused Golf League started by Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy, you will not be surprised to learn that the league has now been suspended or postponed until 2025. It seemed like there was absolutely no way that they could recover 50 days out uh, from what appeared to be a catastrophic uh, catastrophic damage to the Dome. And sure enough, we have confirmation on Monday that that will be the case. Rex, what was your reaction to that news? It, it was not surprising, uh, but I do think there could potentially be a, a trickle-down effect. I think there will be. I was bummed, and you and I have spent some time talking about the TGL. I'm kind of coming at it probably a little bit different from you. I was looking forward to it simply because I wanted to, like the technology interests me. What they were doing inside the dome interests me. You and I both have friends who are working on this project who are really passionate about it. We kind of had the same idea that this only works if the players buy into the idea that this is not necessarily a competition anymore, that you need to embrace this as for what it is. It's entertainment. You need to go out there and, and do the dance and make everyone laugh. I didn't know that all the players involved were going to be able to do that, and we won't be able to see it now for a year. And I'm a little surprised. Again, this is the fifth time we've done this, so we've, I, we kind of know each other's takes by now. Your take is that you felt like it was rushed. I don't know why that was the case because it seems like we've been talking about this for the better part of two years. Rush in the sense, not that, that we don't know what this league is. It's rush in the sense this dome was not completed and you had 50 days out until the start of the league. It just seemed overly ambitious. It seemed like there had to have been some sort of issue with the contractors. Like why was the actual structure that will house this massive simulator not yet built when we are inside of two months before this thing Goes. And like I've, I've talked about it with, with other people. We've talked, we've mentioned like there's going to be a huge gambling element. And you think like, what if there's a glitch with the simulator? Like we've all hit balls like at a Golf Galaxy or a PG Tour Superstore, right? Like you, you, you smoke one, it doesn't show up on the track, man. You're like, oh, let's just, let's just try that one again. <laughs> if that, if that happens during this TGL show, like there will be significant ramifications gambling wise. So that was one concern. Like the actual just housing the structure, having that not yet done, uh, to me, seemed very rushed. The actual league has not been rushed. This has been in works now uh, for nearly two years. We don't yet know which players are going to fill out which teams, but you also could see the strategy that they were employing, basically the live blueprint from 2022 with the slow drip of news to consistently keep live uh, in the spotlight, uh, to consistently keep the player defections in the news. TGL had adopted a very similar format with, with naming the investors, the, the team names, the player rosters, uh, the, the logos, whatever the case may be. It wasn't rushed in the sense that way. It was, how is this thing not already done? Now, I do think, so as, as much as I'm bummed on a personal level, Rex, like we know people who are involved in this, I do think that this does give TGL a much better chance of success. Now having a 14-month rollout window. I do think all the pieces should be in place for early 2025. I still believe it should be in the fall. Tuesdays in the fall is a better TV window and a better chance to have success. But I understand why they do it. I understand why ESPN wants to do it uh, in the spring. We just have to wait another year to do so. 
you talked about the implications and you ESPN, you just mentioned it. That that's the first one that comes to mind because they were banking on having that early week programming. It was going to be a two hour window on Monday or Tuesday. It was going to be lead into primetime coverage. There was a lot of things that clearly ESPN wanted to do with this property and they saw the value in primetime golf and the entertainment value that it brought. So now they're left scrambling, trying to, you know, fill what is a very important hole on their roster. I, I think the other half of this is is how is this going to impact how players feel about the ongoing negotiations between the public investment fund, whatever comes of that, whether the tour goes with the Saudi Arabia public investment fund or goes with some other private equity. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the tour had sort of hatched this plan along with TGL. And this was co-founded by Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy and Mike McCarley. And they had hatched this plan as kind of a way to reward players. You talk about compensation and how they were going to be able to compete with the big dollars coming from the PIF. This was part of that equation. It wasn't the entire equation, obviously, but it was a big part. I mean, there are owners, there's stakes involved, there's big money involved. And now that's been put on hold a year. You factor that in with some discontent that's clearly going on on the tour right now. I think that has opened the door probably to a bigger conversation. So do you think, Rex, potentially the, the players that have made googly eyes at Live in the past, whether it's Cameron Young, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, do you think those players without now a year revenue stream, but they were kind of banking on with the launch of TGL in 2024, do you think that potentially opens up a window for those guys to, to I don't know, see, see what's out there than maybe more than they could have? Uh, first off, is googly eyes a reference that everyone's going to get? I got it. I feel like it's kind of a dated reference. I, I don't is know. Is it? Please let I mean, us I'm, know. I'm, I'm 36 going on 66. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's your 66 talking there because I feel like that's a really old phrase that my grandfather would have used. Um, making, making flirty eyes? Uh, maybe that's better. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just better to throw up the emoji of the googly eyes would probably be a better way of doing it. I, I would say that... I think what this is going to do is if someone is leaning in that direction, and I'm just going to throw a name out there. Let's say Patrick Cantlay is leaning in that direction. Just to throw a random name out there. I mean, I'm just thinking that this was part of the equation that was keeping him anchored to the tour for whatever reason. And now you've taken that away. You've also added to the equation that it doesn't seem like the negotiations between the tour and the PIF are moving in the right direction. We don't know for sure. And it seems like they're getting better offers from other private equity. And if that's the case, then that's probably just going to intensify what Liv Goff wants to do. Talking with people a few weeks ago down at the Row, I, I think everyone at the Row on the Liv side had pretty much signed off on the idea that this was not going to happen. That whatever the framework agreement was, we weren't going to get to a definitive agreement between the two sides. That they were simply too far apart on too many issues. And that if that were the case... Live Goff and specifically the PIF, we're just going to double down that. Okay, then let's just go our separate ways. And now we're going to come back, come after the players that we didn't get last time. It's going to entice a player again, randomly throwing Patrick Cantlay out there, a, a guy like that to probably lean more in that direction than he would have before. Patrick Cantlay, we just mentioned him. Tiger Woods, we just mentioned him. Those two are kind of tangentially related, Rex, in this next topic. In the, in the first edition of this podcast that we did about 24 hours ago, we waited for Tiger Woods in the, in the third block in TV parlance. And we will actually have him in the second block. Tiger Woods has announced that he will play next week at the Hero World Challenge. You will be there in the Bahamas to see Tiger Woods' first competitive start since the Masters, since that ankle fusion. Tangentially related, though, both Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele withdrew from the event. We can get in that in a little bit. Let's first stick 
with Tiger, though. We have a very small sample size of what Tiger Woods has been able to do post-car crash. Five events, T45 is his best result. He's guaranteed to at least do that in 2023 at the Hero World Challenge, only 20-man field. What makes you believe that this can be any different for Tiger? I think even getting the tiger in the second block is ridiculous. I guess that's just the the day and age we live in. Uh, and my bloated face probably added to that as well. I'm, I'm going to say uh, I have no idea because the only, and I keep going back to the idea it's tiger woods. You can never doubt him. I, I know that I, I, I staple that into my, my life as this is what I'm not going to do anymore. I'm not going to doubt tiger woods, but we have no body of work. The last time we saw him, he was literally dragging himself around Augusta on that frigid Saturday. And he withdrew after the third round. And then we, the news of yet another surgery. We've seen clips. We've seen him in Mexico walking around. We've seen him caddying for his son, Charlie, in a junior event. I, I don't know what all of that means. I, I think the motivation here is just to see where he stands. Like if you're if you're going into next year, which is a big year on a lot of different levels, not li- not literally not literally where he stands. You know, he stands probably with a little bit of weight, the weight right foot. You're talking about where he, st- he stands on issues of today as a tour policy. That's what you're referring to. Uh, yes, exactly. I, I don't I have no idea how he's going to stand. I guess that's the million dollar question. He wants to see what he's got going into next year. He wants to, and look, I, we can all assume that he's going to play with his son Charlie later this month or later in December at the PNC. That's just thirty six holes, and they can take a cart. And so this is probably just a litmus test that he feels like that I, I've gotten to the point where this is probably as good as it's going to get, and I just need to test it. Can I walk seventy two holes? That's it. I don't think the swing is going to be an issue because it hasn't been an issue if he could just like that was the beauty of tgl he didn't have to walk he could play 72 holes and all we're seeing him do is hit shots and smile and talk trash to rory mcelroy like that was the beauty of that particular model now you need to to put it in practical sense i don't think we're ever going to see him more than four five times a year tops i just don't see how that happens he's proven us wrong in the past but when you look at his body of work over the last i don't know pick a time frame year two years, three years, we can keep going back. There's nothing to suggest to me that somehow that surgery in April was the miracle cure. I, I know better than that. And so at this point, it's going to be about managing pain and trying to manage expectations. I always do love two Rex. The, the fact that it's always like a well-orchestrated rollout when Tiger Woods is about to make a competitive return. You have not seen him for months. And all of a sudden he's hitting wedges. He's hitting iron shots. He's doing a speaking engagement like, they know absolutely how to put Tiger Woods back in the public consciousness, uh, and he in- is indeed making his competitive return. You've sat in on so many of these press conferences, and they always tend to be memorable at the Hero World Challenge, right? Like, I remember, like, everything else would be gravy. Uh, I remember back in 2017, uh, his appearance there, it kind of, kind of relaunched Tiger post-back fusion. Like, this was going to be the next chapter of his career. That was kind of like a, I, w- I would call it like an auspicious return, and then 2018, uh, he wins again for the first time in five years on the PGA Tour. And so this is actually going to be the rare press conference, I think, and I'm sure this is going to be streaming live on Golf Channel, where the state of Tiger's game and the state of Tiger's health will not be the foremost concern, right? Like, if he's going to be asked 20 questions in a press conference, 16 or 17 of them are going to be, hey, man, what do you think about that Saudi deal that launched on June 6th? What's, what's, what's your role as a PGA Tour policy member? Where, where do you see private equity 
fitting into the PGA Tour landscape. Are you concerned about more defections to the PGA Tour? Has the PGA Tour done enough to earn back the trust of the players? Like a myriad issues as relates to it. And then, oh yeah, like so 72 holes, like still feel? pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. Oh, and expectations for the week. Oh, you think you can win? Okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see at Riviera in a couple months' time. I think it's going to be fascinating in that respect. What are, I, I guess, Rex, what are, since you're going to be sitting in the audience, what are the two or three main questions that you want to hear Tiger Woods answer? He might not answer them, but what are the two or three main questions you want to have posed to him? I think you touched on it. Like, what are the state of the negotiations and what are your thoughts on possibly either some sort of definitive deal with the PIF or private equity? How does he feel the fundamental DNA will change of the PGA Tour when it trans when it essentially moves to a for-profit model? I mean, this we're not talking about a simple change. We're not talking about adding some sort of department or hiring new employees. You're talking about changing how we've done this since really the beginning of time, since even the PGA Tour since the beginning of that, when it was still the PGA of America, it's been nonprofit and all about charities. And that's the way it was going to work. And volunteers at golf tournaments. And these guys are good. Like, I really want to get his his ideas because he's going to be the one, more so probably than Jay Monahan, if I'm being honest, that is going to direct this ship. He's going to be the one that dictates how the tour is going to move forward. Because no one, at least of the six policy board player directors, is going to go against him or the, the other five pl- the player directors are going to go against him. Now I can imagine a scenario where Patrick Cantlay, who's also a player director might have, but we all know when tiger talks, eventually they're all going to go in that direction. And he may not be speaking for the masses. I mean, I think we've seen that over the last couple of weeks, but yeah, there's probably 10 questions. I can come off the top of my head long before I ever get to, Oh yeah. How's the swing ankle. Good. All right. Great. Good. But do you you think, do you think tiger's actually going to answer them. I think back to a quote that Roy McIlroy had last week when he played in Dubai, when he's speaking with reporters and they asked him, you, you know, you just had this marathon board meeting. We're going to get to that uh, in just a second on this podcast. But he said, loose lips sink ships. In other words, these are active negotiations. There's not been anything uh, finalized, at least not publicly, as it relates uh, to private equity money uh, pumping into uh, PGA Tour enterprises. Obviously, there's been no deal uh, with the Saudis ahead of the December 31st deadline. Like, these are active negotiations. I don't think he's going to be necessarily in a position or a mood to tip his hand either way as a PG Tour policy member. I think it could be a whole lot of nothing news-wise. Uh, basically, you're just filling your story out with Tiger Woods quotes. I think you're right. Like, in now, if I remember correctly, didn't Davis Love say, tell us the same thing last Monday when we sat down with him at Southern Soul, like loose lips, sink ships? So it seems to me they're telling everyone to, like, let's just, let's just lock this up until we get further down the road. I will say in Tiger Woods' case, the, the question I just didn't ask very well. I, gotta, I, have, I have a week to figure out how to, how to verbalize that a little bit better. But are you comfortable with the direction the PGA's tour, tour is heading towards a for-profit model? That it's going to change everything the tour has fundamentally done. And I, I think on that front, that doesn't require any inside information. That requires him just to be honest with himself and to say, and look, his charity is at the top of every list. When you talk about what he's done in his career and the things he's really proud at, it's the Tiger Woods Foundation. He always goes back to this change is going to impact that. He has multiple tournaments on the PGA Tour. So I think on that front, we could possibly end up with a very meaningful and insightful answer. One player who is no longer Rex on the PGA Tour policy board, that is Roy McIlroy. 12 to 14 hour board meeting on Monday, a day later. And we'll get into that timing. In a little bit, he said that he was resigning 
the PGA Tour Policy Board, when speaking to reporters, he said he could no longer uh, stomach the commitment that was required. He's been on the board for the past two years. Obviously, these have been the most contentious, the most tumultuous, the most time-consuming years of a PGA Tour Policy Board member's tenure. Are you actually buying Rory's explanation that this has to simply come down to personal and professional commitments? Or do you think something happened in the board meeting? Do you think something has been finalized PE-wise? What's actually going on here? What's your take? I would absolutely love you and I are sitting here debating all of these serious golf subjects. And if a, an entire spin class came in behind you and just got to oh, work. The, the instructor just came in. The instructor just came in. Like, Oh, so, so we got to move this along. Is that what you're saying? Why uh, are you talking about Tiger? Oh, yeah. Why talk about Tiger? Um, I think, and, and again, we've rehearsed this, so I'm going to try to button up my answer a little bit better on this front. No, I don't think anything happened in that marathon 12-hour policy board meeting last Monday. I think everything happened on June 6th when they announced the framework agreement. And Roy McIlroy, who more so than anyone else, had put his face, his reputation, everything on the line to side with the PGA Tour. A ir- irrational threat. I want to be on the right side of history. Pick whatever quote you want from him. He had been the voice of the PGA Tour, and the framework agreement was negotiated behind his back. And we can, you can paint over it, and you can try to gloss over the edges and pretend like we were just trying to do what was best for the PGA Tour. But if I'm Roy McIlroy... I think everything changed on that day. And my guess is he was ready to step down from the board on June 6th. And he was convinced to hang around till the end of the year. And I I do think, and I'm not going to be the cynic in this crowd. I I do think there's something to be said for, and John Rahm said this, and I actually had to double check. No one's ever won a major while serving as a player director on the policy board. And Rory is a decade removed from his last major. And he's got a lot of things in his life. He's a father, he's a husband, he's a businessman, he's a world-class golfer. Being a player director was probably going to be the one that had to give. And in this particular case, I don't blame him. Like, I look at the body of work and everything he tried to accomplish, and I can certainly be like, yeah, I'd probably be the one heading for the door as well. Now, that being said, I talked to a lot of players last week at the RSM Classic about this, and I was surprised how many went back to the idea that, yes, we understand where he's coming from, but he also knew what he's getting himself into. And I remember talking to him when he decided to run for – the chairman of the player advisory council, which essentially creates that pathway to become a player director and asking him why and being him being really passionate about, I want to be part of the change. I I want to be part of this process. I want to make sure the tour is moving in the right direction. So I can imagine, I can only imagine the amount of portrayal he must feel. I I certainly don't blame him. Like it makes a lot of rational sense in in a a lot of ways. Like these have been an incredibly time-consuming Two years. When you think back to to 2012, Roy was juggling board meetings, marathon phone calls, then playing some of the best golf of his career, top 10 uh, in all four major championships. He he seemed kind of inspired by the fight, you know, that he that he that he felt like he was playing for something bigger than just himself. Now, when you you know fast forward to to spring 2023, he said the burden of expectation, the burden of all this extraneous work that was going on. Uh, has actually hampered him. It's affecting his mental health. Needed a reset, and then June sixth happens. Like I, to me, it, it it makes sense why he would want to leave the board. The question is why now? You just had this meeting on Monday that was twelve or fourteen hours, and he was playing. What is that? Six or seven hours ahead uh, in Dubai, so he's staying up into the wee hours uh, before the tournament, the DP World Tour's season finale, and then he resigns the next day. So a cynic Rex. 
would have three possible theories of what happened here. I'm not saying these are my theories. I'm saying a cynic could potentially say that this would be the case. A, what happened in that meeting finalized or made clear what the PJ Tour is going to do. Roy signs off on it, and now it's just a matter of finalizing the details, right? Like he knows the path. This is where we're going. It just not has not been made official yet. That's theory number one. Theory number two is that Rory knows that eventually the PGA Tour is going to have to get in bed with the Saudis. They're going to have to strike a deal with the PIF in some capacity. It seems very unlikely that the DOJ would allow a, a tour PIF deal as currently constituted, but there could still be kind of this co-mingling between private equity firms and the PIF as it relates to PGA Tour enterprises. And Rory, in a potential show, a, a, a potential saving face, does not want to be seen after fighting live tooth and nail for the past two years as then kind of signing off on a deal with the Saudis. That is theory number two. Number th Theory number three is that something actually happened in that meeting that set him off, some sort of disagreement, uh, and now he's basically taking his ball and going home and now leaving it for Jordan Spieth, who is filling his vacancy on the Pizza Tour policy board uh, to kind of sew up. It, I... I, I can I could see the possibility of all three of those theories, right, coming to fruition or or playing some sort of role. The timing is just too coincidental that you would do it the day after and during a tournament week. Why would you not do it after? Why would you not doing do it this week? You are not going to be seen in public at a tournament for two months. In theory, you would not have to answer any questions about this for two months. Instead. He resigns on Tuesday, knowing he was going to be meeting with, meeting with reporters each and every day in Dubai. To me, the, the timing is certainly curious. I love how you did this sports radio thing. Not oh, yeah. me. I'm not saying that. But what if someone did say? <laughs> I mean, that? I mean, me. I am. I am highly. I am highly cynical. But I'm not saying this. Yeah, like, I would never say that. But, those but, are reasonable yeah. scenarios, though, are they not? Uh, yeah, I guess to a certain degree. I still lean into. I'm pretty sure he was done. At least checked out mentally on June 6th and maybe it was symbolic the timing of it. I mean, it was overnight after that all night meeting and, and he, uh, my understanding is they got the, he, the resignation letter late Tuesday, the tour did, and then sent the memo to players. I think I was at a, I was actually at a PGA tour media dinner when I, I got the memo sent to me and had to abruptly leave the dinner and, and go report that. Um, I, I would think it would probably be a combination of, yes, he's not comfortable with the direction of the PGA tour. And he certainly isn't comfortable with the idea that the framework agreement was negotiated behind not just his back, but all of the players back. And look, that's a universal feeling. That's not Rory. That's all of them from Tiger Woods all the way down to number 300 on the points list. And I, I think there's probably also some personality conflicts on the board. I don't think it's any secret. Well, he said as much like he and Patrick Cantley simply don't get along. And now they're having to sit in board meetings. He called it a male organ, Rex. He did. And which is, I mean, that doesn't happen in golf. Like, let's face it, when for him to have done that in print with his name attached to it shows his level of distaste between uh, for Patrick Cantley. And I'm sure that Patrick Cantley also has his level of distaste for Rory. So now you're sitting in board meetings and not only are you talking about things that you're not qualified to talk about. Let's be honest. I, I have nothing but respect for the six player directors, but none of them are qualified to sit in on these negotiations for a billion dollar deal. Either am I. Like, this is a very, very narrow lane that only a few people in the world are qualified to do. And you're asking these players to become experts or something. And on top of that, he's having to have, yell probably at Patrick throughout the entire meeting because, because they don't get along. 
So I think all of those things probably factor into it. I went on Golf Today last Tuesday, and they were running sound from Rory from uh, Dubai the day before. And as Damon brought me up, his comment to me was, Rex, Rory sounds tired. And I go, of course he's tired. He just sat through 12 hours of policy board meetings on the other side of the planet. Like he's sitting up at 2 a.m. All he wants to do is go to sleep. And he's having to talk about these things again, not qualified for it. And he's probably just zoning out because they're probably throwing nothing but numbers at him. And I can see where he's coming from. Now, look, they, they replaced him. The player directors voted to replace him with Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth will serve out the last year of Rory's term. Jordan Spieth has served on the policy board before, and that was a good move. For, the, for them because they knew that where they are in the negotiations, they needed someone that they didn't have to completely bring up to speed. Like you're not going to drop a rookie into that situation. I, I will say this though. I, I don't know if I agree with the pretense that the PGA tour is, is, is marching towards it's inevitable that there, there'll be a deal with the PIF. I'm not quite sure that I'm all in on that. Well, well, I, don't think, I don't think, I don't think it's inevitable. No. I, I think there's, I think there's a possibility that they know that they need the PIF money. Well, I think what's going to happen is right now you probably have better offers. Let's say Fenway Sports has given the tour a better offer. But knowing what we know, again, not experts when it comes to these things, but there's no doubt in my mind that the PIF will be able to at the 11th hour to offer the best deal. Like they will. Like there's no doubt about that. They, they can just step in and be like, yeah, that's a good deal, but we can, we can do this X amount better. And at that point, it's going to kind of come down to how comfortable the player directors and the independent directors on the policy board are with going that route with the PIF. And I think you might be right that Rory simply is not comfortable with that inevitability. We do not yet have a spin class, but I do feel as though my time is dwindling. You did cover Rex, the RSM classic. We won't get into what you actually said on the first edition of the podcast. I believe something, it was, it was a phrase like that was the worst week of my life. Something, something along those lines. It had absolutely, it had absolutely nothing though to do with Ludwig Ober, who won his first PGA Tour event in his 11th start on the PGA Tour 61-61 weekend uh, to absolutely crush the field. If you're keeping score at home, his 259 uh, tied the PGA Tour record for the lowest 72-hole mark. We saw him at the Ryder Cup. We saw him at the NCAA Championship. We see, you've seen him now up close and personal in the flesh uh, at your fifth major. Quite simply, is he the game's next superstar? I think so. Yeah. To make it simple. Uh, and I did not get out on the golf course to see a golf shot until Saturday. So that explains why it wasn't the worst week. It was just not my best RSM classic week. It was cold. It was rainy for a lot of days. We had a lot going on and there was a lot of breaking news as we've covered. So I didn't actually get around to covering the golf tournament until Saturday. And I, I had, you know, obviously watched Ludwig at the Ryder Cup, but I wanted to, all right, let me see what's special. Uh, let me see exactly. So I spent two days, uh, 61, 61. And I watched him warm up and I talked to Peter Hansen, the European tour player, who's kind of his performance coach. And I, my takeaway was, well, a couple of things. Yes, he has all the tools like Peter Hansen sort of marveled at the idea that he's sort of the modern tour professional. He stands on tee boxes and just sees opportunity. And I think the best example of that is the fifth hole on the seaside course. It's this long, it says 450 yard ish dog leg around sort of this marsh and he cut the corner every day and on the last day he actually drove the green and mac mckenzie hughes was paired with him for the final two rounds and made the point that like, like that's just a level of of confidence of power of i have some i can do something that you cannot that the great players bring to the table i, I will say this my biggest takeaway was on saturday i asked him 
you know, clearly driving is your strength and you're really, really good at putting. What do you feel like you need to improve? And he actually said his wedge play. And I was taken by that because if you look at what he did over his final 36 holes, he played the back nine on the seaside course and 10 under par. And he had just two approach shots that were over 150 yards. So his wedge play is good enough to pull that off. And yet somehow he sees it as something he needs to improve upon. I hate doing this, that he's the next fill in the blanks, Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy, John Rahm, whoever we're going to pick. Cause those always lead to unfair expectations, but I found it impossible to overstate what his ceiling could possibly be. The short answer is yes to my question. He is a superstar, and it is interesting, Rex, because because now he has crossed, by playing the RSM Classic, he has crossed the threshold for having the number of rounds to be able to see what his strokes gain statistics are against his peers on the PGA Tour. He is 10th in strokes gain total and second strokes gained off the tee. He is first in total driving, which combines distance and accuracy. You look at anyone who is topping that category or at least in the top five or top 10, those guys play well each and every single week. It is such an advantage, the skill set that he has. And that, in, in keep in mind, he's playing on golf courses that he's seeing for the very first time at the end of a very long year, completing his senior season at Texas Tech, getting right into his pro career, trying to play a lot to uh, appeal to Luke Donald and the Ryder Cup team, which he eventually did. He won in Europe, and now he wins on the PGA Tour. The arrow is pointing straight up for this guy. There's a reason why the hype has been absolutely out of control. And I must say, too, Rex, just real quick, this was this was such a boon for the PGA Tour's PGA Tour University program, which awards PGA Tour cards to the top graduating senior, uh, as well as cards on the Corn Ferry Tour and some of the lesser uh, tours as well. That was a direct response to the live golf threat. And, and potentially siphoning some of the top amateur players over to live golf and kind of eliminating that PJ tour pathway. It was not too long ago that a player like Ludwig Ober would have had to toil an apprentice on the corn Ferry tour for a year, assuming he finishes inside the top 25 or top 30, whatever it was going to be, which was not a given. And he would still get a seven sponsor exemptions on the PJ tour. He would have to potentially do it the way that John Rahm, and Colin Morikawa did. And so giving those guys a direct pathway for a year and a half on the PGA Tour is absolutely huge. Uh, and now he, I, I believe, is one of the PGA Tour's biggest assets as we move ahead to 2024. Rex, this is the week of Thanksgiving. Everyone knows what I'm going to be doing. We'll be mentioning uh, the TikTok, GC, Rex, and Lav. We'll be doing the start-to-finish turkey brine situation, turkey smoking. What are you doing What's on the grill? Uh, you were so offended. So we've covered this ground. We have, I apologize. So we're not going to do my, my wife's family is from New Orleans. And so for the for 20 years, 20 plus years of our marriage, every year we've, we've gone to New Orleans and spent it there. And, and look, Thanksgiving in New Orleans is different. They have a lot of different foods and, and it's just it's delicious and it's fun. And we really have a good time. We've decided not to this year. Two of our three kids are actually working so they can't make it. And we were trying to figure out what we're going to do. I think we've just spent Thanksgiving at home just once. It was the COVID year. Uh, during our entire marriage. And so we were trying to figure out what we were going, going to do. And no, I, I, I guess I thought about doing a turkey like you did. And look, you sent me the, a snappy chat of your smoked turkey practice last week, and it looked absolutely perfect. Like, awesome. I, it was, I don't have it was, a, it, was, it was perfection. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't have that gear. So we're going to do steaks and lobster. Like we're going to do surf and turf. And that that offends you to no end. But I mean, that's that's what. And then on Friday, we're going to have like a Friendsgiving and a bunch of us in the, in the neighborhood. You're having surf and turf on yeah. Thanksgiving. This 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 might as well just be like a regular Saturday night. I, I guess like I don't I, I don't feel like I'm at the level yet. Like if you wanted me to do ribs or a pork butt I, or wings or whatever, I could lean in. I and, want you uh, to do a turkey. I want you to turkey. Yeah. If not a turkey, not I want you yet. to do a ham. There, there should be no I, – I wish I could actually muster the outrage that I had yesterday because I had no idea you were going to say that. You and I, I would consider are, are, are like pretty good friends, if, if not very good friends, and I did not know that you were simply doing ribeyes. And I was so – I was so offended that like I almost, I almost completely just shut down the podcast there and gave you a scolding off camera. I, I can't believe it. It's insulting to the greatest holiday that we have. Like – to, to me, Rex, I take immense pride in the turkey that I put out. You mentioned the one that I did last week for the Friendsgiving. Really it was good. a whole process. And you're right. Like, that, that could have been a painting. But it is so hard to take what is an incredibly bland piece of meat and make it edible. No one's ever, like, sitting around the table like, ooh, I can't wait to eat turkey. But, and so you have to do so much just to make it enough that these people can swallow and, 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 and flush it down with, do that? with, that with like the other so side because you have to take pride Rex because it is, it is a source of pride you know why you have to get the turkey ahead of time you have to let it thaw out you have to uh, spatchcock it so it cooks evenly you have to do a dry brine or a wet brine which I'll be doing here on Tuesday two, two uh, days ahead of time you have to butter it on the inside you have to season it you have to smoke it you have to baste it you have to rest it you have to carve it properly or it's, or it's utterly useless, all to make something edible. And I, I take great pride in it. I think I turn out a mean turkey. My family is at least somewhat appreciative of all of my efforts. And for you to just turn your back on this tradition, for you to say, you know what, I don't care about Thanksgiving. You, you know, I, I don't care about providing a great meal for my family. I'm going to take the easy way out and just throw on a couple ribeyes for eight minutes over some charcoal. It's it's offensive. It's offensive. We're trying to sell this podcast to grill sponsors, to alcohol sponsors. Actually, we're just trying to sell this to podcast to literally anyone. I'm going to grill lobster and steak. I and don't know for, why that didn't and, work. And for you to just neglect what is the day to prove your manlyhood and smoke a turkey and to do it well, I don't know what to say. I guess I, guess I actually could muster enough outrage and enthusiasm a day later, even though I knew what, exactly what you're going to say. It's actually building up inside of me once again. Uh, I spent the morning with Dr. Kratz digging stuff out of my face. So <laughs> I, I have no interest in your dog whistle nonsense right now. Yes, I probably could have tried. And maybe I, I'll certainly give it more of a thought when, when Christmas rolls around and we'll be home for that. And I'll have a better answer for you then. But I, I have no interest in this. What, do, what are you doing on Christmas? You, you doing tacos? You, you getting Taco Bell? Uh, might might do uh, actually Italian. We, we we picked up a bunch of cool recipes after the Ryder Cup, so that that's something uh, we've talked about. Like they did a in Venice, they did like this linguine and clams that was really light and like salty. I loved it, so I'm gonna try to do that. <laughs> as as I mentioned, we are we are starting this TikTok account. It's at GC Rex and Lav. I have my uh, sister in law coming into town uh, in Reynolds. He's supposed to show me how to actually do a TikTok. But if you guys are interested, I will be doing a TikTok from start to finish of my process for the turkey. No pressure. Uh, I can always just edit it uh, if need be. Uh, I will definitely be sending you snappy chats 
of a finished product as well. Happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. Don't be like Rex. Go make your family proud. Go have, go, go actually have pride in your work uh, because that's exactly what we'll be doing over at the Labner house. But we do thank you guys for listening to this edition of the golf channel podcast with Rex and lab. Make sure you go to NBCSports.com slash golf. The latest news, notes, comments, features, podcasts, videos, etc. We're back next week for a full recap of Thanksgiving, Rex's ribeyes, and whatever else pops up in the world of golf. We'll see you next time. Shout out, Dr. Kratz.